Welcome to the Precision Guided Podcast, the official podcast of the Georgetown Security Studies Review, where we cover all things national security, military, foreign policy, and history. And in today's episode, we really do mean history. It's time for us to make good on our uh, claim of supporting historical analysis on this podcast. If you were like me, you were excited by the prospect of Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Finally, we get to see the glory of the repeated successes of the emperor and his historic downfall shown on the big screen with all of Ridley Scott's grandeur. However, uh, the film (laughs) received uh, pretty negative reviews. And one such reviewer, uh, my friend Joseph Lee, a fellow student at the Security Studies Program here at Georgetown University, uh, keyed into some of the more historical inaccuracies of the film and the impact that that had on the viewer. So I wanted to speak more about his article for the Georgetown Security Studies Review and really dissect what the true legacy of Napoleon is in France and how his portrayal could have been improved and should have been improved in Ridley Scott's film. Joseph Lee is a student in the Security Studies Program at Georgetown. Originally from Paris, France, Joe studied war studies at King's College London prior to coming to the United States. Joe is also a reservist in the French Army. Well, Joseph Lee, welcome, or should I say bienvenue, to the uh, Precision Guided Podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Gareth. Yeah, it's great to be here. So, Joe, you recently had an article published in the Georgetown Security Studies Review earlier this month, uh, which is a very unique one in the history of, of GSSR. And it's a review of director Ridley Scott's Napoleon biopic. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's right. So, Joe, I have the pleasure of being your friend and knowing you. Uh, but for those that have not had the pleasure... The pleasure I, is shared, by the way. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Joe. I, uh, I think that this is an article in GSSR where the author's voice really comes through. I mean, you have a, <laughs> your passion is evident in, in this subject. Thank you. Thank you, Gareth. And that's really why I wanted to speak to you about this uh, today on the podcast. So... I guess my, my first question is, what motivated you to write a movie review of Ridley Scott's Napoleon? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. When you're French, Napoleon is, is kind of a figure you grew up with naturally. Um, it, you study him at school. Um, he's present in your entertainment culture. Mm. Um, he has a huge impact on your society, and we'll get back to that later. Um, I, I also have a bit more of a personal tie to Napoleon um, because of my career aspirations. Um, as, as you know, Gareth, and as some, some, of, our, some of our fellow students may know, um, I wish to become a French army officer. Mm. And Saint-Cyr, which is our, our version of West Point, uh, was founded by the emperor on May 1st, 1802. Mm. So that's one more reason why I wanted to explore this character and, and give my thoughts. Um, and, and so I went to watch the movie um, with, with some of our friends um, in December. And I was, I was really genuinely curious of, of what the movie would bring. Mm. I had watched the trailers. There, there had been a lot of hype. Right. Um, and I was, I was kind of disappointed by the movie itself. I, I don't think that's a very original take. <laughs> um, whether, whether it be the, the, the movie's plot or its accuracy, um, there was a lot of potential in, in the story, mm. I, I feel, that wasn't particularly seized. Um, and, and I think one, one, one element that I'm particularly attached to is the story of Napoleon's youth. Mm. Um, th- this really could have shown... Um, geographic tensions that are still relevant in France today, uh, but also just more simply the fact that Napoleon was sent to the mainland, um, to, to the high schools of Autun first and then Brienne when he was very, very young. Um, he, he wasn't even 10. 
And, and for example, when, when he's in these academies, he's mocked by his peers for being Corsican, for having a Corsican accent, right. for, for, for behaving in that very, very proud, meridional way right. that, that, that all French people are, 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 are knowledgeable of. But despite that, he, he overcomes really tough odds even then. And he becomes the first ever Corsican to graduate from the Royal Academy of École Militaire. Hmm. Um, other parts of his career were also ignored um, in the movie. And, and for me, the key point um, that I'm very attached to is the campaign of Italy hmm. um, from 1796 to 1797. This is one of Napoleon's greatest achievements. Hmm. Um, he, he's outnumbered two to one by the Piemontese, the Piemontese and, and the Austrians, but he wages a lightning campaign uh, showcasing brilliant, brilliant force mobility, maneuverability, uh, and he just, through that action, dissolves the first coalition. Um, and, and this feat, this, this achievement, is really what propulses Napoleon um, to the forefront of, of French of French society. Mm. It makes him a celebrity, and, and therefore allows him to start challenging the Directoire, which was which was France's parliamentary um, regime at the time. And so, therefore, th- writing the article for me was was a way to participate on on a small scale and <laughs> in, in giving another perspective on the movie. Even though I'm, I'm far from being a specialist, um, I, I'm also conscious, obviously, that that these. These interests are very niche. Um, <laughs> my, my criticism is more based, as you said, Gareth, on, on my my passion, my interest for the subject. Yeah. So it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I think that's that's an important part, to, an important thing to to, to say as well. Um, really, Scott can obviously is obviously a fantastic director. He's made a lot of movies that I, that I absolutely adore: Black Hawk Down, The Gladiator. Um, and I, I still have a lot of respect for him as a, as, a, as a film director. Well, uh, if if you're listening to this, director Scott, uh, you know, <laughs> keep making fine films like this one. I mean, I think Joe, you the the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you is something that you highlight at the end of the piece that we're going to link to in the show notes, and you speak mm-hmm. about the importance of studying history accurately. Yeah. Right. Of understanding the story as it appears. Uh, in order to kind of draw the lessons that we should be drawing, whether it be, as you alluded to just now, that there are geographic tensions within France that come from this period, mm-hmm. or, you know, there's a, a strong sense of, of French culture that comes from the person of the emperor. Yeah. So I, that's why I wanted to have this maybe niche discussion is because getting this right is important. Absolutely. I mean, it, a, ma- a movie that was made by a foreigner, first of all, I, I want, that's another element I wanted to, to point out. A movie that was made by a foreigner was always going to be the source of scrutiny and inevitably, this is France we're talking about, criticism. <laughs> um, and, and I think one point I wanted to make um, was less regarding the actual historical accuracy of artistic portrayals, such as the one that Scott makes of, of the emperor, um, and more about the way we think about their legacy, um, the, the way we teach and educate our, 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 our societies about these figures. And elements such as, for example, I, I'm thinking about an example in the movie, hmm. um, the, the firing of cannons on the pyramids. I mean, that didn't happen, right? And, and that could mislead an uninformed audience in their own judgment of who Napoleon is. Um, and, and I think this is particularly relevant in an era where important figures of history, whether it's Napoleon or, or, or other, other, other important characters, for better or for worse, are under increasing moral scrutiny um, for their actions. Um, and, and at this point, I, I am I am torn between the sympathy I have for the arts and for cinema. I, I have a lot. Of, I have a big passion for cinema, as as you know, Gareth. Um, and 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 my my attachment to history. Many would reasonably argue that cinema as an art is is an end in itself, mm-hmm. and and it, it cannot be expected to respect boundaries, to to have deference for for people. Um, and that's a good thing. That that is in, in many ways a good thing. On the other hand, I, I do think that given this increased judgment we exercise towards these characters and, and the influence that the media has. 
there is a reasonable argument that directors have a responsibility in how they portray their characters, right? I mean, Ridley Scott made his decision to make a somewhat apathetic, unflattering portrayal of Napoleon. That's perfectly fine. That, I, I think that's, that's his decision. Um, and, and he makes the movie that he, that he wishes, frankly. <laughs> Who am I to tell him how, how, to, how, how to do his job? Um, but I think he shouldn't deny other people from having their own thoughts through insult and contempt. And, and those, are, those are points we'll, we'll get into later, I'm sure. Yeah, thank you. And, and I, I think, you know, my sense, I, I quite enjoyed the movie. I thought it was technically very well done. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. But it seemed to me like it was Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon. Right, like it was Joaquin Phoenix, and you could tell that he was playing Napoleon. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so, and, and it's very interesting to hear what Ridley Scott has to say about about Joaquin Phoenix's acting in mm. the movie. Um, if you look at um, if if you look at some parts of, of of how the movie is made and articles that are made on that, Joaquin Phoenix, in some way, it seems, um, directs the movie. In, mm. the, the character of Napoleon that Ridley Scott wants to wants to portray is kind of dictated by Joaquin Phoenix. Um, Ridley Scott, and it's a credit to, to, to Phoenix's acting, Ridley Scott does say that um, the, the character that Phoenix portrays in the final cut of the movie wasn't um, exactly the character that he wanted to portray before the movie was made uh, in, in the scenario. Interesting. Um, and, and I think that's definitely, I mean, again, Joaquin Phoenix is, is a fantastic actor, and as you say, technically the movie is very, very well made. Um, but, but I think a, a lot of Phoenix's acting in, in the way, in its, in its lack of emotion, in, in its... Um, in its coldness, um, that's that's an element that I have a hard time with. Um, yeah. Napoleon was really a fiery, fiery, fiery character. Yeah, um, someone who had a lot of character, and, and from from time to time you can see that in the movie. Uh, but most of the time, Phoenix is just someone that appears unsympathetic. He yeah. portrays someone that that does not have much charisma in the movie. Yeah, I think that's right. And so you know, lest we get characterized as a film review podcast, I will, I'll turn our discussion, Joe, to. A point that I think is important, and, and the reason why I wanted to have you on the show, mm-hmm. is I, I think you know for those that have been fortunate enough to to go to Paris, mm-hmm. absolutely, and to see the Invalides, you get a sense, you get a, you get a, you start to see the scale of Napoleon mm-hmm. on the French imagination, mm-hmm. which of course is is nuanced as you pointed out because he actually, you know, is is not by birth French, right? He was born, as we'll discuss. Uh, outside of, of France at the time. So I, I'm hoping that, you know, kind of given your background and, and your love of history and the history of your country, France, you can tell us or give us some insight um, into what Napoleon means for the French today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's a central figure. As I said, he, he's omnipresent in, 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 French, in, in French literature, in French, in French history, in, in French, yeah, French society. Um, he's really at the heart of one of the country's most prominent eras. That's that's I think that's important to to remember. And, and Napoleon's conquests are celebrated, and, and at least they they've made their mark in many aspects of, of our culture, whether it be our literature, our architecture, uh, the Arc de Triomphe. You said it yourself. Our administrative and legal system through the civil code, our educational system, our education system, and uh, decentralization. But other deep, deeper, darker aspects of Napoleon's role are also being increasingly decried, increasingly contested today. Hmm. Um, and I think. Um, one one element that that comes on comes to mind is Napoleon's reestablishment of slavery mm. in, in 1802. Um, Napoleon actually is interesting. Napoleon actually expresses regret for this at, at the end of his life in Saint Helena. Interesting. Um, but but that's another point that's kind of regrettable, right? In Scott's movie, um, and, and these are elements of contention that are very modern that could be of of interest to to today's public. Um, but 
this this element isn't isn't described in 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 Scott's movie at all. It's not we, he he doesn't really talk about it, uh, and, and I think that's too bad. Um, it, it's another point could be um, Napoleon's potentially authoritarian tendencies, um, which are also absent from the movie. So you grew up in Paris. Yes. Do you remember when you first started to learn about Napoleon as a figure of French history? Yeah, I mean, so for, formally in school, um, it, it's kind of it kind of depends. Um, it's he's a little bit all over the place through his impact again. Mm. Uh, you learn about him in in, in our civics class, um, but not him directly. I think when, when you go into the history of, of Napoleon Napoleon's conquests of, of his uh, of his vices, um, that's a bit more in junior high. They, mm. they expect a bit more maturity, obviously, from 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 a, from a <laughs> learning audience to to to, to study him, um, but. I think I think yeah you you learn you learn about him informally in books or or through through our popular culture or through our entertainment I mean you know it's it's all around you so you learn about him very very early on when you're when you're 10 11 years old and you know you hear about the hussards you hear about la garde and and yeah he's he's omnipresent in french culture I think one thing that was really eye opening to me uh, you know, I traveled to uh, Britain when I was in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously learning about like George Washington and the American Revolution in this country yeah. is a big deal, right? I mean, you have many, many years of, you know, full semesters of history spent on that topic. And then you go to Britain and you, you see that it's one paragraph in one lesson in their history, yeah. in British history. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what has surprised you most about the way that, that Napoleon is portrayed outside of France? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. Um, that's a great question. I, I, I spent all my post-high school studies outside mm. of France. Mm. Uh, I had the great, great opportunity to, and the great honor to study war studies at King's College London. And, and I was very, very interested in, in, in the way of that, that the English, that the British would, would see their, their, their greatest foe, really. Um, and I, I actually was was surprised to to see that Napoleon is is viewed in England um, as a, with begrudging respect. Hmm. I would say that that is the that, that is the term I'd use to describe it. Um, when my my when my article came out, actually, um, a few 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 officers, a few British Army officers that I know, um, contacted me, telling me that they were completely they were completely in in agreement with it. Hmm. They they said that. They, they 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 cried how Napoleon was 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 portrayed in the movie and and I was very surprised because these these people have nothing to nothing to gain in in, in lauding Napoleon right um, if if anything it, it he he's a, he's a, he's quite he's quite the enemy in their history but uh, but but yeah there there, there is there is. There, there is that respect. There is that respect that you have towards a, towards towards a, an important opponent of your history. Uh, in in the United States, I'd, I'd say he's part of the popular culture. Yeah. It's more it's more of a, a distanced look on on, on on who he is. Yeah. Um. So so it's definitely interesting to compare how how he's how he's seen in different countries. Well, and I think that you know Napoleon's impact on our own country with the Louisiana Purchase, you know, kind of gets yeah. gets uh, gets uh, disregarded or not highlighted, and yet he had profound impact on. On this country as well, can you characterize for us the tenor of and you know as you said, uh, history, particularly the history like personalist history, right? The history of one person is kind of continuously uh, reanalyzed throughout the years. Um, and so, as you were growing up, can you kind of characterize the tenor of 
what the legacy of Napoleon was as it was mm-hmm. taught. Like, was it a universally positive thing? Was it a, mm-hmm. hey, here is this guy that did that? You know, what was what was the flavor of, of how he was regarded uh, in the classes that you took? So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that changes a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on where you learn of him, whether it's university level or whether it's high school level or, or what your background, what the background of your school is, et cetera. I, th- I think that really definitely changes. Uh, the, the way I've learned of him was he was definitely an, an overachiever mm-hmm. for France. Um, he allowed France to advance a lot beyond the abuses of the revolution. Mm-hmm. You, you have, we have to think that at that time, the Directoire was a very, the, the regime, the parliamentary regime that, that, that came before Napoleonic, uh, Napoleon's coup on the 18th Brumaire, um, was, was a corrupt regime. Mm-hmm. It was a corrupt regime, uh, an unachieving regime. Uh, it, was, it was somewhat democratic, um, but, but Napoleon is viewed often as, as someone who, beyond the, the precarious context of, of, of the revolution, um, seized its abuses um, and, and allowed France to move forward from, from its, th- that time of instability, really. Um, defended the revolution as well, right? I mean, the revolution had already had the, the wars of the First Coalition um, with, with very, very grand battles where, where, where the revolution was basically... A, you have to remember the context. The revolution is, at that point, uh, an ideological threat to, to many of the monarchies around. That's one of the reasons why the UK goes to war with, with France, Austria goes to war with France. Those are all um, enemies of France that probably would have posed a threat to the revolution and would have posed a, could could have defeated uh, France without without the without the, the arising of, of, of Napoleon as, yeah. as a guiding figure. Yeah. Um, then there's there's also the fact, obviously, and, and and I've mentioned it before. There are again deeper, darker uh, sides to Napoleon's Napoleon's ruling. Right. The reestablishment of slavery, um, his authoritarian grip on power. Um, th- those are all, and obviously the violence, um, the, the, his wars of conquest. Um, th- those are all elements beyond wars of conquest, um, going beyond just self self preservation, mm-hmm. the defense of the of the revolution. Th- th- those are all elements that that are very criticizable and that, that are increasingly coming to light today. Yeah. So I want to zoom in. You know, you you said that the the movie missed this chance to really describe his upbringing, his early life, yeah. right? Uh, and again, as as we previously stated, it's very interesting that he who has become synonymous with France, mm-hmm. right? was born a, a, a citizen of Genoa, right? I mean, yeah. Corsica was a, was a Genoese um, colony. Yeah. And so uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, kind of the significance of him growing up as a Corsican and how history remembers or doesn't remember, yeah. you know, his upbringing in that regard? Definitely. I mean, it's, it's a majorly, majorly important point. And it's really, to some extent, tied to the history of the Bonaparte family. Uh, Napoleon's father, Charles Bonaparte, w- was loyal to Pascal Paoli. But Pascal Paoli was the leader of the Corsican resistance against Genoa, actually, um, for, for Corsica to become independent. Um, but, but Charles Bonaparte, at that point, um, rallies the French side when the Corsican independence movement is defeated. Hmm. Um, and, and Paoli, on the other hand, seeks refuge in Britain. And so the Bonaparte family is, 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 has always been um, held by both the sentiment of pride in, in being Corsican, the sentiment that had pushed Charles Bonaparte into the fight with Pascal Paoli uh, for Corsican independence, but, but at the same time, this attachment to France um, and, and, and this allegiance to, to the revolution, uh, the values of, of, of which Napoleon endeavors to propagate in Corsica mm. during his many, many billets um, at, at the start of his, of his military career um, back to Corsica. 
And, and these values and, and this, this attachment to revolution actually leagues Napoleon against Pauli and, and, and leads to his um, s- somewhat exile, his, 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 the fact that he's forced to leave his country in, in 1793. Um, he's actually almost assassinated, I believe, hmm. uh, for, for his allegiance to, to the revolution. I, I think it's in 1792. Um, a lieutenant, a lieutenant, Lieutenant Roca is actually killed right next to him. Hmm. Um, and, and history could have history could have changed. Wow. Um, but um, he ultimately has to leave the country in 1793. And there's this very famous phrase, I think, um, by Letizia Bonaparte, who is Napoleon's mother, that sums up, I think, Napoleon's, Napoleon's thoughts. Questo paese no è para noi. Um, this, this country is not for us. Hmm. And she says that as, as they are leaving Corsica. So, so Napoleon is in some way an, an outsider who becomes an insider in France by conviction. Um, as for the French, the French vision of Napoleon today, the way the way French people see him, it really depends if you're asking the Corsicans or the French. Yeah, fair. Um, I, 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 the French, the French definitely see him. At least that's that's my my, my vision. The French definitely see him as fully French. There, mm-hmm. there is no contradiction in, in in metropolitan mind between his coming from Corsica and his role of France. Mm. Um, I, I actually served in, in a regiment as as a reservist um, that is based in Corsica. So mm. I, I had a, had the great pleasure of. of um, asking the fiery Corsicans a bit more about uh, how, how they see him. And many, actually, I, I, was very, I was very interested to hear that many don't see him as fully Corsican anymore mm. because mm. he became the Emperor of France and because of this, this decision he takes to leave. And do we know how he thought of himself as a Corsican? Like when that identity would have changed? Do you yeah. have any fidelity on that? Yeah, definitely. I, I, at the start of his at the start of his military career, but even before, um, Napoleon is incredibly, incredibly attached to, to Corsica and, and really shows it through his writing. Mm. Um, I think he writes a history, a full history of Corsica, and, and wow. his, a lot of his, a lot of his, um, his writings, but also what, what the quotes that are attributed to him are quite anti-French, actually. <laughs> uh, and and I think that really, really does shift with the revolution, um, as I've mentioned. Um, the fact that he is persecuted for his views and, and for his for his allegiance to, to France, um, that really, really you know flick, flicks a switch, right? He he and and this idea again that that Letizia Bonaparte perfectly, perfectly expresses through 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 her her quote. Uh, I think shows the the, the the sort of abandonment he, he makes of Corsica. Yeah, uh, by the second part of his life. And his mother, that quote is in Italian. So it's in Corsican. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so the Corsican languages has obviously the Corsican language has a tie to Italian, right? Through through uh, the, the islands Genovese um, Genovese belonging for for a long time. So you you, you go to Corsica today and and. and um, Signs will be in both languages, in, in French and in Corsican, and, and a lot of people who live on the island speak fluent Corsican, and, and it's actually the language they, they would speak amongst themselves. And what's the legal status of Corsica relative to the country of France? Oh, now? It, it's a region. Uh, it's okay. it's a region of France. It, it fully belongs to to it. Yeah. Okay. To the country. Good. That's helpful. Uh, for those of us that are not army reservists on, <laughs> on the island, um, so Joe, one of your one of your biggest contentions with the film, and this comes across well in the article that you wrote is the portrayal of uh, the relationship between Napoleon and the Empress, Josephine. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you describe in, in your piece the relationship as being unexplored, right? Like Ridley Scott came into it with an idea of what he wanted the relationship to be yeah. and then pursued that relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also talk about some of the inaccuracies of the way that in that portrayal Scott um, yeah. you know, Scott had. Can you talk about how you view the significance of, of, of their relationship and... and, um, and what exactly Scott got wrong in, in the film? Yeah, I mean, the relationship between Napoleon and Josephine is one of the central themes of the movie, right? Uh, and it's definitely a really relevant, underexplored, as, as you said, Gareth. 
um, aspect of history. And, and, and it has a lot of potential, once again, a lot of potential. Um, in fact, many even argue that the movie that really Scott made, and, and I, I fully, I fully kind of, um, I kind of sympathize with the argument um, that that the movie should have been called Josephine because mm. it explores this 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 unique theme. Um, but this relationship, in my 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 humble opinion, is misinterpreted. Um, there is a lot of debate on, on this specific point, and the portrayal that Ridley Scott is not completely that Ridley Scott makes is not completely detached from reality um, to the extent that it does base itself on on. Napoleon's correspondence and, and public statements, um, but it, they do, however, ignore other aspects of, of Napoleon's marriage, which was if you, um, Michael Brewers, who, who was a historical uh, consultant for the movie, um, says that Ridley Scott was guided in his movie by this desire to portray Josephine as a powerful woman in control and mm. to show her as the love of Napoleon's life, uh, and, and that itself is, is, is obviously not not an issue, but it, it does affect the the, the, the veracity of uh, the, the the accuracy of, of the movie. Napoleon's affairs, for example, are not mentioned, right? You, you don't really see him have have affairs, um, w- which was the case in reality. Josephine's affair with Ippolit Charles, who was a hussar uh, while Napoleon was in Egypt, uh, is only really mentioned in passing. Um, and I think those are, those are elements that are, that are, that are missing. I, I speak in my article of, of an affair that Napoleon had that is actually quite important with Maria Waleska, mm. who is a who is a Polish um, a Polish member of the nobility. And and she she's actually quite celebrated in Poland today because she, she's in some way the architect, uh, or, or at least an important architect of, of, of Poland's independence. Interesting. Um, so and she and she had an affair with the point. She even had an illegitimate son with, with the emperor. Mm. Um, and I think it was too bad that the movie doesn't really explore that that part. Um, another argument that I make, and, and I think bases itself on my research, obviously, is that Josephine and Napoleon's relationship, as you said, is, is more fundamentally built on mutual interest. Yeah. Um, Josephine offers Napoleon important connections. She belonged to, to, to the former nobility before the revolution, what we call the petit noblesse, which, which is the lower prestige nobility, but still, mm. you know, very important. So she had connections. Um, Napoleon also, on the other hand, provided financial and emotional security to, to a mother of two children um, whose, whose husband was decapitated during the revolution. Mm. Uh, and he, he is a brilliant officer rising with, with lightning speed in the ranks at that point. Um, and so the fact that, for example, he can provide her at, with, with security, that, that she, he brings her back into a social circle that she had lost mm. with the revolution, uh, and can, for example, employ her her son Eugène de Beauharnais, uh, who becomes a very successful officer in in the Grand Armée, and, and later actually Viceroy of Italy. Mm. Um, th- those are all elements that enter the calculus. I, I'm not saying that there was no sentiment between them. That that would be that, I think that would be a bit strong, but but I think it's very important to to, to pinpoint that that ambition that ambition idea in, in, in the couple. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the film really stresses the emotional balance of power yeah. between the two. I mean, there's a very famous scene where I think he goes to confront her about yes. her infidelity, and she ends up asserting her emotional dominance that's over right. him. Right? I think she says, "Without me, you're nothing," or something akin. Yeah, to... that, that's right. And I think I think that enters a little bit. The again, it's 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 very understandable that 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 Scott would make those 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 um, those directing decisions. Right? It, it makes the it makes the the character kind of approachable. Uh, but it does also enter the prosaic, right? And and at that point, you really do have to question whether that's the true dynamic they would have, or does it just enter Scott's agenda for for what the what the what the couple's what the couple's relationship would be? I want to ask about you know the the, the film shows Napoleon's second wife, which yeah. is more of a political marriage. Yeah, and of Austria. Um, talk about that. Yeah, so so Andotrich is is. is 
one one of the reasons why, and, and I, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil the movie as much as I can, even though this is <laughs> it is at the center of this podcast. But um, uh, one of the reasons why Napoleon divorces Josephine is because she can't give her a, give him a, give him a son, or 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 at least an inheritor to, to to the throne. And so Napoleon marries this, uh, I believe, fifteen year old fifteen year old princess from Austria, um, Anne. And, um, and and yeah, it's it, it's it's a successful marriage to, to the extent that it does give Napoleon, the the king of Rome, uh, a, a son. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would definitely say that that also is a marriage by interest, and and to some extent, even less of a sentiment based um, couple than than Josephine, the, the union between Josephine and Napoleon was. Is there evidence? Because you know the the film, while he's with Anne. Mm-hmm. The film makes a point of saying that he remained emotionally connected to Josephine. I mean, is there evidence that that occurred that you're aware? Yeah, I, I, I think that's really difficult. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't particularly, um, I don't particularly think so. Um, I, I think they, they obviously exchanged letters, and and the point did conserve a lot of a lot of feeling for for Josephine. Um, but I don't think it was in any case to the extent that Ridley Scott mm-hmm. makes it. Um, Ridley Scott, and, and I say this in my article, Ridley Scott says that Napoleon, he goes to the extent that he says that Napoleon's last words were dedicated to Josephine. Mm-hmm. Napoleon's last words were, um, I believe it was, tête, empire, armée, or something like that. Head, army, and, and empire. Mm-hmm. It had, it, that Those were, at least based on my research, Napoleon's last words. And, and Josephine wasn't, wasn't included in it. So I, I think... It's it's not unreasonable to say that Josephine had a major impact, obviously, on on his life. It is you know a very long marriage, um, and it's not unreasonable to think that that Napoleon kept a lot of affection for 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 for, for Josephine. But I don't think it's to the extent, and that's the point. That's the main point I wanted to make. I don't think it's to the extent that Ridley Scott makes it to be interesting. So the the film ends um, in a kind of a sudden way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, you know the, the the statement that really Scott is trying to make is that you know here is this here is this man of of great action right great great pith and moment yeah and uh, and yet the end comes from him in uh, in kind of a of a way that doesn't acknowledge his kind of greatness or the the, the role of of Napoleon in history it just kind of ends right um, what was the what was the reaction to Napoleon's death in France. Like what? What was the significance of that? Did oh, we know? It, it was big. Yeah, it, it was big, and and there's um, I think you can particularly see it. Obviously, I wasn't there, <laughs> as as Ridley Scott would say, actually. But right, um, right. but but I I I think as of of what I read and, and of what I what I what I see, it did have a huge impact. And and, and Napoleon after following Napoleon's conquests, following this this era of of basically French supremacy over Europe, um, there there is this um nostalgia that just you know comes in uh th- this idea that we were we were this uh this great empire hmm. and, and and this this idea of lost greatness uh comes in and, and it's amplified i would say by napoleon's death um i, I know for I, I i as of what i've read napoleon's you know um napoleon's ashes are, are, are come back to france and uh, a lot of people who were part of his is going down me are yeah, come and grieve him from all over France. Hmm. So he, he he definitely does have a, a huge impact um, still. He's still today again um, on the French imagination. And and talk us through the political 
legacy of the Bonaparte family after Napoleon, right? You had Napoleon II, Napoleon III. Yeah. So how long did the Bonapartes kind of remain this political force on the scene yeah. of France? So, so Napoleon II, and I, I, I must confess I'm not very informed on this topic, uh, I think I think Napoleon II doesn't really have that much of an impact on, on, on French history. Napoleon III, that is another story. Um, he becomes the uh, an emperor of France. He, he's actually elected, I believe, into power, and then he seizes power um, mm-hmm. in an authoritarian coup and becomes Napoleon III, um, second emperor of France. Um, and, and I think one of the elements that at first um, grounds his le- legitimacy is the fact that he is the nephew of Napoleon. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, a very important, that's a very important element in, in, in the credibility of his regime. Um, obviously, he, he didn't really end up well, so that kind of tarnishes the, the, the family name. Um, but but definitely yeah Napoleon's Napoleon's shadow at that point is fully visible and he uses it to 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 get his grip on power. Is there a legacy of Napoleon in French politics today? Obviously, we talked about culture, Ooh, yeah. kind of the, the you know the architecture of the city. But can you discern a a, a role for him in yeah. in the political? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 very difficult. Mm. Um, I I'd say that it really depends on what. Where where in the political scale you're in, mm. uh, I think exa- again, um, given given the social changes we're seeing today, and and for better or for worse, again, uh, Napoleon is being more and more decried for mm. his abuses, his authoritarian grip on power, and not without reason, not without reason at all. Of course, um, his authoritarian grip on power, the, his reestablishment of slavery, those are all elements that that are really really weighing on the the image we have of him today. Um, and so I think if you if you talk to I mean the, the French left, um, it, it's those are the main elements that are going to come to mind. Interesting. Um, and, and that is perfectly understandable. Um, and, and, and But if you go to, if you go towards the French right, or if you go towards the more, I would say, patriot circles, that, that's kind of, that's kind of easy. Um, but, but that, that is truly what, what I believe it, it is. If you, if you go towards um, the more conservative um, areas of French politics, they will definitely see, they will definitely think of Napoleon's conquest, but also his achievements inside France, his, his transformation of, of France's political system, they will think of that a little bit more. Interesting. Uh, his modernization of the revolution is, and, and the seizing of its abuses, they will think of that more. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, let's let's do a, our crystal ball mode, right? Let's make a prediction. <laughs> okay. Um, what do you think in the next, uh, let's say, 25 years, how the legacy of Napoleon will change? Ooh. Um, I, I don't think, I think, he will remain forever a contrasted, a, a contrasted individual in, in the memory of all all, all Frenchmen, uh, whether uh, Frenchmen or Englishmen or or Americans. Um, I think anybody who educates themselves on on, on the character um, will will find that he is a man of gray, right? It's no mm-hmm. no man is, and, and this is one of the points I, I would make as well with my fellow Frenchmen. He's not a man of black or a man of white. No no man is, is perfect or or or, or atrocious. He, he he is just. Um, he's just a contrasted individual. He's he's a complicated he's a complicated being, and I think his legacy will be one that is complicated. And I think we do need to explore um, the the more regrettable um, parts of, of of his rule. Um, but but I think it, it shouldn't overshadow um, the the achievements he made. He's he's made for France definitely. And why sh- why is he so compelling a historical figure? I mean, what is it about him? That makes directors like Ridley Scott want to spend this much time and money on a project. He, he's definitely he's definitely a, a figure that that ro- rose from the top from from not much, and, and that's again that that that's one element of, of huge potential that is not portrayed in the movie regret- regrettably. But um, 
he, he's definitely a, a, a huge character. He's one of those like great men of history, like an individual that that is very very character characterized, very very already um, subject to to um, to popular culture and, and and very recognizable, right? One of those very very recognizable figures, like George Washington in the U.S. or like um, I don't know. Um, or like S- S- Stalin, you know, one, one of those big figures of history, whether whether good or bad. Right. And that makes people um, attracted to, if not the man, which is, again, understandable, to the story of the character. Mm. And, and I think that that definitely plays into the attray uh, of popular culture towards towards that towards that character. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Napoleon quote? Napoleon quote? Oh, that's very difficult. I mean, for me, I'm again, I'm I'm just. I, I destined myself towards towards service of, of my country. So yeah. I would say um, he says that the greatest of virtues of all is service to to your to your country. Could so, you give us the French? Uh, la, la plus grande des, la plus grande des vertus c'est le service à la patrie. Nice. So he says, yeah, the great the greatest of of, of, of services, the greatest of virtues is is service to your country. I love and that. I would agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> not the uh, France has more need of me than I have of France. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's again that that reflects one of the more regrettable parts of <laughs> of regrettable facets of uh, of who he is. Yeah. Well, Joe, I I learned so much from this conversation, and again, I, I commend your article to anyone that wants to oh, thank you, Gareth. Yeah. Learn a little bit about the underlying history behind the movie and ways that. That, uh, of course, director Scott could have uh, brought some more of those elements to bear. But I, I'm really grateful for your expertise and, and your passion on this subject. Thank you so much for having me here once again. Thank you for listening to the Precision Guided Podcast. Follow the Georgetown Security Studies Review on social media to stay up to date on the latest podcast episodes and GSSR content, like any future movie reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or you can visit our website at georgetownsecuritystudiesreview.org. And if Ridley Scott is listening, as a reminder, the views expressed on this podcast are the views of the participants alone and do not represent the views or opinions of Georgetown University, the Precision Guided Podcast, or any other entity. Hope to have you join us for our next episode.